Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 95 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, second technician, Fozzer Forrester, and joining me in the orange sidewinder for this episode are Lave Station's chief bar steward, Mr. Grant Psychocat Wilcott. Good evening! Lave Station's head of health and safety, Mr. Ben Moss Woodward. I'm trying not to crash into anything. <laughs> uh, head of Station Operations, Mr. John Stabler. Good evening. Wave Station's Chief Archivist, Mr. Colin Ford. Good evening, everybody. And again, like last week, we have pulled in a ringer for this episode. So please give a warm welcome to Dean Williams from Canon. Good evening. Good evening, sir. Hope everybody is well. Welcome back to Mr. Stabler. I can't remember the last time you were on the show. Probably about as long ago as I was. No, I was on the episode before last, but ah, we haven't been on. We haven't been on together for like six months. No, it's it's been a while. It has been a long, long time. So uh, why don't we kick it off straight away, mate, and find out what you've been up to in the last week or so? Uh, I guess anybody who's been paying attention to me on social media and Lave Radio, because I've been using it in a spammy way, will know that I've got a Kickstarter underway at the moment for a game. No, 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 no one's noticed that, have they? Um, so, yeah, so that's all I've been doing. Uh, Alan and Chris Jarvis have both run Kickstarters, and, you know, they must know what it's like, you know, this kind of roller coaster of an experience where you just basically looking at Twitter all day and hoping somebody <laughs> pledges or something like that and doing updates and things like that. So that's what I've been doing. Um, I was going to say, I mean, talking about doing updates, I've already seen, what is it, the third, fourth iteration of the demo coming out? You've done some, you know, pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, but w- what's happened is um, it's it's kind of that plateau in the middle. You know, obviously all your mates and everyone pledges at the beginning and, you know, you get some pledges because you're highly visible on Kickstarter at the, because it's new. But then you get that plateau where, you know, the only place you're going to get it from is by promoting it on social media or whatever. Um, and uh, until, you know, towards the end of the campaign when it'll pick up again. So I've kind of, what I'm trying to aim for is kind of turn it into a bit of a development blog in a way. So people actually see the game getting further developed. Yeah. Um, so that's my way of kind of keeping sane when, you know, I don't get any pledges. <laughs> I just imagine that if I do another update to the demo, and then somebody might go, oh, that's better. Um, but you, you just don't know what people are thinking. Unfortunately, on Kickstarter, you know, unless people pledge, you know, that's, that's the only real interaction you have with people. Um, if they've clicked the Remind Me button, for instance, because they plan on pledging later, you just don't know that they've done that with people. Um, if they've clicked the Remind Me button, for instance, because oh, I'm talking twice. I, I can hear a massive echo. <laughs> Sort it out. Someone kick the uh, the tech monkey. <laughs> not that you're not worth listening to twice, John. You really are. But uh, go on, mate. I fixed it. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's what I've been basically doing. So this is the bit where I implore people to go and check out my Kickstarter. I guess. Um, okay. Do you want to give us a, a, a name drop? Yeah. Sure. The, the game is called Runes of Anarchy, uh, and it's on Kickstarter. We, I've, we've still got you know a fair few days to go, but uh, if you like silly fun games then have a look and if it's your cup of tea then give me some money do you want to give a good, sort of a brief overview of what exactly it is uh yeah sure i mean i think i did it a couple of weeks ago but i'll, I'll kind of elaborate it's um 
You might have new listeners since then. Yeah, no, sure, sure. Um, so it's it's kind of like harks back to the days of Goldeneye, you know, when people would sit down in a room together or on a sofa and, and basically have a good laugh playing a multiplayer game. And it's kind of like that, but it, instead of guns, it's magic. Yeah, you're a wizard, uh, and there's an arena that you run around uh, trying to destroy the other wizards and... There's, you can change the environment, uh, and I've just added in a new ability where people can kind of use a grappling hook and uh, jump around like Spider-Man and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's a kind of a silly but fun game uh, that's meant to, you know, invoke those, those days where you would play a game with friends because, you know, it was fun rather than simply so you could teabag them and stuff like that. <laughs> nice. So uh, these wizards, and I take it in wizard robes, uh, are they able to teabag fellow wizards? No, there's no teabagging button yet. <laughs> of course, I'm open to suggestions on the Kickstarter. There's got to be something about a stretch goal joke in there and teabagging, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there. Yeah, um, I tell you what, if we make a million pounds, I'll put teabagging <laughs> in. <laughs> the ultimate stretch, teabagging. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, well, uh, I'm going to come to uh, the rest of the guys, but just a, a quick word of warning. I've been following Grant and Colin on the uh, the chat channel all the way through the day, and I know for a fact you guys have been doing your tax returns, so we're not allowed for you guys to mention anything about doing your very boring tax returns, okay? So with that in mind, you guys have got about two minutes to think of something exciting that you guys have been doing today and this week, and we'll go to Ben. Ben, what have you been up to? This weekend, I've mainly been visiting. <laughs> no, I've not. I actually had. I've had an awesome week. I've I've been playing Fallout Four, courtesy of my brother-in-law. Oh great! I've yeah, I've been. I've seen you on there as well. I, I noticed that. Um, but this weekend was absolutely awesome because I met up with Commander Vangdian and Snoswell. But most importantly, I met up with Alvin at the auto car show or something like that in the NEC. On Saturday, so that was an absolutely awesome Saturday. We saw lots of fast cars, we saw lots of old cars, we saw lots of old fast cars, and we saw lots of very nice ladies in tight orange jumpsuits. I see. I was going to ask that. I was going to ask whether or not the industry had moved on to uh, maybe a more sort of equality-based uh, sort of way of advertising these things. But it's not. It's all still to be perfectly you know, honest. Clad uh, no. ladies with uh, drapes on them. Because. It really isn't, actually. There the were a couple like that, but the majority were very normal-looking people, shall we say. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't put it any other way like that. You know, um, Alvin, though, I have to admit, um, we, we all know this, obviously, but Alvin is a complete tart. <laughs> he has got, and he's got such a, an ear for high heels. Um, <laughs> I was, we were outside... And just talking myself, thank the urn and snoz. And every time a woman in heels walks past, Alvin just perks his head up and just follows her around. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, they say that the uh, the dog follows the owner, and you know, I know that snoz <laughs> says that he's you know hard of hearing, but maybe that's something he's picked up from uh, from his master. You know, maybe yeah, you know, it it's just possible. learned behaviour. <laughs> it is possible. <laughs> um, okay, Colin, what have you been up to? Well, this week, uh, I have been very busy in-game. At the moment, I am in the Californian Nebula, which um, everybody else has gone uh, looking for these barnacles, which we'll go and look at later. And I decided to go somewhere completely different, as per usual. Um, Outside of the game, well, the 
miniatures rule and the RPG stuff has actually jumped on quite a pace. And I am pleased to say that I think me and Dave Hughes have come to an agreement about the final set of rules. And it looks like I'll be breaking out the models at some point this week for some playtesting. So uh, hopefully next week I'll be able to tell you how I got on and whether I got my backside handed to me on a plate by the tactical genius that lives in this house. Okay. That'll be your uh, your boy then, I'm assuming. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Uh, Grant. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I spent the, the week cremating my aunt. Condolences for that, buddy. <laughs> I was just thinking, what could you do to really, really make you regret saying not mentioning your tax? Um, yeah, was, we, we had a, a bit of a really rough start to the new year this year, and I lost my hand rather suddenly. Um, so we've been dealing with that, uh, along with the other boring bits and pieces. However, I've still had some in-game time. I've seen Barnacles for all of five minutes for the Drabble show on Friday night. I thought they'd make a beautiful backdrop. Unfortunately, a certain commander, who I'm not even going to name, you know, I'm not even going to given the glory of naming him, um, decided that he, he didn't want any ships to be there and just came in in his massive um, excuse for having no willy and uh, blew <laughs> me off the face of the planet without any, even so much as a, excuse me, would you mind leaving? I'm having a moment with the barnacles on my own. Uh, obviously he knows that there's some kind of potent sexual advantage to being alone with the barnacles that none of us have discovered yet. Um, but yeah, he blew me up and I was like 32 jumps away and I'd made it in a vulture and I just thought, you know what? I'll just put the animation backdrop on it, we'll do fine. And that's what I did, so <laughs> that was good. And then on Monday of last week, I picked up two new house guests that have been absolutely amazing ever since, and that is the two little kittens, um, and they are just stunning. Absolutely what are their names stunning. and what type of cats are they? They are both British short hairs. One is cream and has lilac ears, paws and tail, which make make him absolutely adorable. adorable. Uh, the other one is completely lilac, and uh, their names are Zen and Storm. Uh, we actually thought one was going to be a girl, so unfortunately they've been sort of named uh, along those lines. No one thought to sort of say, you've given that a girl's name. Are you sure you want to sort of register it as a girl's name? And you're kind of going, if you'd phoned and said, you do know it's not a, you know, it's not a girl, we'd have said, okay, we'll give you a boy's name for him. So now unfortunately he's called Dharma. But never mind. I'm sure he will not be confused when he grows up like me. Um, you never thought of just turning the thing upside down? And having a look. No? What? Okay, so you, you name, we named them, what, two months ago? So that was before we got them. Ah. And you rely on the information that the breeder gives you. And, of course, as they get a bit older, it becomes a bit more obvious. Uh, in fact, they thought they were all girls. And it turns out there's only one girl. So either <laughs> the particular breeder just, you know, needs to go back to sort of basic bio biology and uh, learn that, you know, the girly cats have a different thing, but I think it's quite difficult at a young age. So I'll let them off, but they're beautiful. Uh, they may well appear at some point during the night to cause chaos. Um, so I, I warn you all now. <laughs> yes, but you're not streaming, Grant, because you're a coward. No, I'm not streaming because I'm not going back there. No, I'm not going back there. No, I've seen them. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, brilliant. Okay, and obviously you guys are obviously been and had a look at the barnacles, which is obviously the reason that we've got our ringer on for this evening. Uh, Dean, perhaps you should uh, give yourself a bit of an introduction. Who are you? Where are you from? And who do you represent, sir? Uh, well, my name's uh, Dean. I'm from uh, Glasgow, and I'm representing Canon for, the, for this evening. Brilliant stuff. And a uh, quick overview on what Canon are and what they do. Canon are the intergalactic research group that are studying the UA or unidentified artefacts uh, drawn from commanders all over the galaxy. And yeah, we have a, a lot of fun with um, science and biscuits, mainly. <laughs> science and biscuits, I love it. What have you been up to this week other than looking at barnacles? Uh, well, working mostly, unfortunately. Uh, although I say unfortunately, it was a, a weekend away to Loch Tay, which is not too bad for a job. Um, although it was very snowy and we didn't get much much outside stuff done. What did you do, just out of interest? Um, oh, I'm a uh, personal development worker. Yeah. I'm none the wiser. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> I work with, work with people with uh, learning difficulties and mental illness. Ah, so it was like an activity weekend or an activity... Yeah, uh, yeah we oh, up, brilliant. Uh, up, supposed to be up fishing, but as I say, it was very, very snowy. Uh, not much fishing got done. Still a great place to be snowed in, though, I'd imagine. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really, really lovely. Yeah, it was a good, a good relaxing weekend. Cool. So when did you get back? What have you been up to since? Uh, I got back um, yesterday afternoon, and since then I've been uh, just mucking about in Horizons for the first time. I've not really had much of a chance to play it. Uh, so I got it downloaded last night, and I've been scooting about planets in my wee buggy. <laughs> I was going to say, has it not taken you most of that time to just sort of reconfigure your controls so the buggy drives in the right direction? Uh, well, I'm, I'm using just mouse and keyboard at the moment, so it's, uh, it's fairly straightforward for just now, but... Uh, I've not had much time to get used to much of like the turret and that, but the driving about and that is fairly fairly simple, I think. Cool. What's your what's your impression so far? Seeing as you've uh, you've, you've just popped your Horizon Cherry, are you enjoying the uh, the surface stuff? Is it is it working for you? Is it interesting? Yeah, this is going back to what we were talking about last week. Um, I mean, that's what I've been looking forward to for quite quite a while now is getting about onto the surface and seeing what you can find down there. Um, not been able to find a barnacle, unfortunately, myself yet. I did have a, a look around, but I'm not very good at lining up my, my coordinates and my latitude and longitude. We'll work uh, it out, Dean, at some point. When, when yes, we head out of there, we'll we'll find things. Sorry, I found them. I found them the other week, so should be able to find them again. Perfect. Okay. Well, what we'll do is we'll jump straight into the uh, the dev news for this week, and then obviously the main topic for this particular podcast is going to be UAs and barnacles. Um, so let's kick it off with the the dev updates from the fourteenth of January. Um, starting us off with the fact that the Xbox One is now up to date, completely with Season One. Now, uh, Grant, when was the last time you played Elite Dangerous on your Xbox? Remember when they released the CQC <laughs> on the PC? Yep. Then. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, so a while ago then. Yeah, I mean, it's not that I... Oh, crikey. We've been doing lots of sort of reorganisation in here, so we've got the whole... Uh, my daughter moved out just before Christmas, so i got the office done. Uh, so I've been able to play the PC one undisturbed, whereas normally I would jump to the Xbox for a bit of peace and quiet. Um, so I've not really had a chance to get back onto it yet. And it's one of these things as well, you know, you kind of look at the PC, but you, you pick the version. So if I'd started playing the Xbox, I might have it on the PC, but I think, you know, you, you favour the one that you started on, and I just can't sort of see past the, the hot-ass controller. I enjoy flying it more here. 
and so therefore I don't tend to go back to the Xbox unless we had an event on and I wanted to coordinate from there, but I'd be hopeless on it. <laughs> really would. <laughs> well, okay, well, just to let your people know, those are the people that are obviously we are owning the game on the Xbox. The Xbox One content update has brought it in line with the uh, Season 1, all of the Season 1 components of the PC and Mac up to 2.02 release. Um, I think which was the the last before we started getting Horizons, I believe. So, uh, great to see that it's all coming in line. What's the latest have we heard on uh, whether or not Xbox will actually be getting Horizons and how long that's going to take to come through? Does anybody know? No, there's been plenty of rumours. Um, we think that it will be coming to Horizons, and we th- the the general speculation about it is the second quarter this year. Okay. But we haven't had anything confirmed. Speaking about not having anything confirmed, I was sure we were going to hear something about Elite on the uh, the PlayStation Four before now. I take it there's been no rumours. There's been <laughs> nothing out there, or yeah, uh, seriously. There was a tweet, was there not a tweet just a couple of days ago about oh, Raven talking missed. about it? That was that tweet that David sent out was last July or June or something like that. Um, when some journalist went off and basically caught him, and he accidentally said, "Yes, we'll be probably coming out in the. It's only a timed exclusive, and yes, of course, we'll be coming out in the PlayStation." That's and right. then Frontier. Um, Gestapo went off and sat on him or something. <laughs> the Frontier Gestapo? Yeah. Okay. Are you referring um, to Ed and Zach as the Frontier Gestapo now? <laughs> you, you say you can't see Ed wearing tight leathers? Uh, I think you've got a very vivid I'd imagination that I'd rather not go to. <laughs> okay, so uh, so no, nothing uh, nothing new on that. Cause obviously we're and one of the things that we're talking about in the um, in the news is the the advent of uh, of VR and the specs that are going to be required for for virtual reality and stuff. Um, it would be interesting to see whether or not if they brought it out on PlayStation Four, if it was a, a slightly cheaper way of getting you know, the the virtual reality. Yeah, it's easy for him to say, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Where does I go? Oh, there he is. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. So, that, yeah, so it would be interesting if that's another avenue or another way to access the virtual reality of Elite Dangerous on uh, yeah, maybe slightly less of a budget. Although, saying that, they have said that their VR headset is going to cost the same as a new console, but, you know. That's still cheaper than an Oculus Rift, isn't it? It's, well, it's cheaper than Oculus Rift and all the things that you'd need to uh, to buy with it, which we'll talk about later in terms of what you'd need to make it run, certainly to the Elite Dangerous spec anyway. Okay, so um, the other thing that came out of the dev news, which is the one that's actually <laughs> more interesting than uh, than a lot of things that have come out recently, and that's about the characterization. Uh, Michael Brooks has talked about the fact that uh, with it being such a, a massive galaxy, it can feel quite cold, quite impersonal. Um, so with the, the character creator or the commander creator that they've got, we've seen a few... Uh, images and a few uh, videos running around about how we're going to be able to create our own avatars. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, <laughs> it was the uh, the fans, it was the players that actually put a post up on Reddit where they had used the images and stuff from the commander creator to basically show what it would look like for all the missions. Uh, the mission flows, the mission uh, the mission givers out there to actually have some faces and some character next to them. Uh, and Michael Brooks said that he'd seen this, and it is something that they're working on as part of the 2.1 release. Um, so they are hoping to to bring that sort of you know, 
commander avatar aspect to the uh, to the mission givers which is interesting because obviously we had that in both frontier and uh, first encounters and okay so the faces were a little bit gawky and they weren't exactly great quality in terms of the artwork but what do you guys reckon i thought it was one of the things about frontier and first encounters that really sort of made it different you know having that face to stare at just helps you role play within the game didn't well, all the games do it? Okay. So you know, even yeah, X-Wing and um, TIE Fighter, they would have the sort of wee mission animations and the kind of pixelated face and wing commanders. Then it, so it, it's not exactly new, um, but does, I don't know about how I whether I think it's going to be a, a huge or significant change to the game, other than... Because obviously in those days it was very limited. It would be the same face with a, a different colour hair. <laughs> it, just, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it became very samey. And, and if they've got this being quite nice and it tracks that person, then it could be quite interesting to see, see the... Um, and this is by no way making any predictions, but to see the, the hut and trucker's contact for missions slowly become higher ranking until he is then the face of the power. That could be quite fun. Yeah, absolutely. And it was... Um I know it was one of the nice things in Frontier, certainly when you were doing the military missions, uh, that as you ranked up and you know, your um, <laughs> your contact within the military changed uh, as you got higher up missions and stuff, which I thought was quite cool. And they're going to basically be doing the same thing again with this, so that um, you'll have you know, the same face, and we'll all have the same face uh, of a minor faction if, as, if we go to them and, and get missions and stuff from them. And then uh, as we progress up the ranks with that, we'll get a higher level, char- higher level character uh, giving us missions. So it's important to, uh, to maintain a decent relationship uh, with that faction. Now, one of the things that came up in this was, uh, obviously, we've got our own minor factions now that give out missions. So um, one of the first things I thought when I was reading this is, you know, are we going to be able to submit a, an avatar to represent our own minor faction? Uh, and in fact, on the forums, uh, Real DB also had the same idea. And I was thinking, certainly for our our minor faction, that the wonderful Hutton Truckers, as we're actually led by Alvin, the uh, the Cocker Spaniel, it's going to be an interesting commander creator uh, session to try and get anything that possibly resembles that. Um, what do you reckon? Do you reckon this will be a good thing, or do you reckon it will be abused? John? Well, I'm hoping they build it in such a way that it can't be abused, really. I mean... It, it, like the previous character generators in, in the old games well, obviously you didn't generate them but they were like just random faces from like slices mm-hmm. um, and it's going to be a kind of kind of a similar thing I'm guessing isn't it really but just a bit more modern you know you can't for instance I don't think you'll be able to change the face into the shape of a penis or something like that will you? <laughs> Yeah. Well, they did say that you know it's almost infinite possibilities with their new commander creator. Well, uh, okay, so it, you know I think that that's that's just infinite. It's a bit of a strong word there. <laughs> you know, if they say you know I'm I'm a penis alien from you know another galaxy, you know that might be possible, I guess. Um, did Did anybody see the the comedy video that someone did about No Man's Sky about the fact that you can name any new creature that they come across? And the fact that it's passed over to the players, it's just going to get rude. Yeah, of course it is. Absolutely. Uh, although, is there a... Um, there must be, like, a safety net, um, you know, within nope. reasons. Nope. Just nope. Me. Not a No Man's Sky. Listen, there's no way to do it. I mean, it's... The, oh, the amount of possibilities that they've got 
on uh, in that particular game is is actually bigger than Elite Dangerous at the moment. So, <laughs> a good job at policing that one. Mm. I wonder if you can have like a half man, half dog, or something like that. That'd be that'd be cool, wouldn't it? Like um, like like buff barf out of Spaceballs. Or um, <laughs> do you remember um, what was the what was the one Hot Shots? Remember uh, Part Deux, I think it was when um, when was it like someone like Saddam Hussein had a dog and then he got melted. That was he got frozen, then split apart. And then he kind of reformed like the T-1000 did, but he was half man, half dog. That would be cool. You're going a <laughs> long way back in time now, if you're expecting me to remember Hot Shots Part 2. <laughs> I'm showing my age now, aren't I? You are slightly, mate. I mean, the fact is, the rest of us had seen it, but not in the last, probably, what, 25 years? Something like that? Is it that old? Oh, it's about, oh, yeah. must be 20 years. Must it be. was when Charlie Sheen was sober. <laughs> <laughs> so probably closer to 30 years then, really. <laughs> Um, okay, last thing on the dev news is the um, the fact that they've made a number of changes to uh, to some of the uh, the visuals, uh, and I must admit I picked up on this on uh, on some of the uh, the chatter going around, certainly around the asteroids. Uh, mm. They've made these changes to the visuals to basically improve the performance, um, but they wanted to stress that this is nothing to do with the fact that it's obviously come out on the Xbox One. There's no dumbing down of the game uh, to make it fit with the Xbox One because obviously the Xbox One uses a different profile. Um, but they're going to be looking at uh, the quality of the asteroids and addressing some of the causes of that decrease in visuals uh, in the, the 2.1 release. What um, Again, this shows you how long it is since I've been uh, into the game. What uh, release are we on at the moment? Are we on two, you know, 2.0? Well, 2.03. Uh, 2.03, rather. So, you right. know, we're, we're quite... Actually, do we have any idea when the next update's coming out? No, we don't. Um, if there is going to be another update soon, it will be no, more minor bug fixes and and tweaks. It won't be a big, uh, a, a big content drop, if you see what I mean. Okay, so basically they're they're, they're evaluating the uh, the lighting, fog, shadow, and loading issues, um, and some of those fixes uh, may limit certain graphics quality options to make sure that all the players can enjoy good performance. Um, so speaking about good performance and improved visuals, let's jump into the <laughs> the interview that Michael Brooks and a few other people did um, for uh, Eurogamer uh, with the article of, Is Your PC Really Virtual Reality Ready? Now, <laughs> this is going to be... This is actually a bit of a sore subject for me because I went out and I bought myself a... Um, uh, a GeForce GTX N970, thinking, because I'm sure I saw somewhere, in fact, I definitely saw somewhere way back that uh, that's what Frontier was suggesting was going to be the, the card that you needed in order to run Elite Dangerous. That's uh, now it gone. was if it was going to be the Oculus Rift. Yeah. So uh, is that still the case? Have I, have I got that wrong? No, no, the minimum specs for the Oculus Rift is that, uh, that graphics card. The 970. The 970, yeah. And it's a 980 then for the, for the Vive, is it? Yeah. The Vive, what are we calling it? I'm calling it Vive. Okay. It's, it's, it sounds better with a Scottish accent. <laughs> Sorry, Foz. <laughs> I, I, I thought that you got a, a GTX 670. Have you uh, upgraded I, again? I have. Uh, yeah. The, uh, if anybody wants a 670, it'll be going on eBay in the not-too-distant future. Um, again, I went for the, uh, the 970 because I thought I might be getting an Oculus uh, uh, for Christmas and obviously uh, needed a, a better card to run it. But getting an Oculus for Christmas seemed to be um, uh, 
Yeah. Bit of a wish, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I did, however, get a lovely because uh, I asked Sander for some uh, some virtual reality uh, hardware, and uh, I got Google Cardboard, which was very nice. So my missus at least did the research and said, "No, there's no way you're getting those because they're not out yet." So uh, have these instead. So uh, I have been having a bit of fun with Google Cardboard. So let's have a look at the uh, the minimum specs and see who's going to going to hit it so far. So the minimum specs required for the Oculus is the as we've just been talking about, the GTX 970 or the AMD Radeon R9 290, equivalent or greater, an Intel Core i5 4590, equivalent or greater, 8 gigabytes of RAM, two USB 3 ports, and HDMI 1.3 video output supporting a 297 megahertz clock via a direct output architecture. That's lost me. And Windows 7 or greater. Now... For the uh, for the medium of a podcast, everybody put up their hands. Who has that uh, specification? Not Grant, no, no, Grant, you must have. You're probably the only person here that actually does have that spec. E- I I did run the little thing, and it came back saying, "Yes, you're okay." <laughs> <laughs> but then again, I do have a ridiculous amount of RAM in this thing, and um, have put an awful. I think I've got the probably the bottom end of their recommendation for graphics card, but with the amount of RAM and the processor in this thing, it's more than more than capable. Okay, I Ben. My PC sorry. hits. Sorry, sorry to jump in. My PC hits it all except the graphics card, so I will just upgrade that when the ty- when I need it. Okay, what uh, what uh, what are you running RAM wise and uh, CPU wise? Um, well, I got eight gig of RAM, um, and that's like in one slot. I got a spare slot, so that's easy enough to upgrade. I got the USB three, and all the other stuff. I got a, an i seven four seven seven zero K, which I haven't overclocked it, but I can overclock it if I need to. But there's no need because it, it's it's fine as it is. So I just need to get the the nine eighty, I think, because I'm probably going to go for the Vive to be honest. But you know. Okay, Dean, what are you running, mate? Sorry? <laughs> what are you running? Uh, oh, I'm not... I AMD something or other. We are on R3. I'm not entirely sure. Okay, so you've got a big jump to go to if you want yeah. to uh, to get there. Yeah, uh, Colin? Oh, my goodness. No, I am nowhere near. I'm uh, an i5. I've got enough memory, but um, at the moment I've only got a, a 660 uh GeForce, so uh, I've got a long way to go yet. Yeah, and Ben, you said you didn't. Yeah, I don't think I've got a chance at the moment. Um, I might be getting a slight upgrade at some point soonish, but even then, I don't think I'll have a lot of luck. So, I mean, I take it everybody's going to want to get into the virtual reality space. Possibly nope. not as. No, I don't, I don't care. Didn't care. Whatever. <laughs> Okay, do you want to maybe elaborate on that, mate? Why is why no interest? I prefer to stay in reality. Reality. Um, no, basically, it's like okay, fine. I can shove a pair of goggles on my head, and then I can disconnect myself from the room, and that's fine. Um, pretend I'm in a locked room. No one's going to walk up and pour a bucket of water over my head. I still can't see where my mug of coffee is. The joy- my joystick might get misplaced. I don't know where my mouse is. I don't, don't know where my gamepad is. I don't know where my hands are. 
we don't, in my opinion, we don't have the peripherals and the haptic feedback that I would want for a true VR experience. Okay, well, that's an interesting point, because I'm more than happy playing something like Elite Dangerous with literally just you know, the, the hot-ass controller with no keyboard. Um, and also, I know for a fact you use voice attack, so I can't imagine what else you would need apart from your, your flight stick and your voice attack to play something like Elite Dangerous. I also want my cup of coffee. And... No, it's just... It's the Pratt factor, isn't it? You're scared of just someone walking in and going, no, what I, the no, heck I'd lock are the, you I'd wearing? lock my door behind me and things like that. That's not a problem. It's the... Basically, I want my virtual reality... Have you, have you guys read Ready Player One? Yeah, yeah. So I want virtual reality like that. I want my haptic gloves, and I want, I want my haptic gloves to feel like I'm using whatever joystick is in front of me. Or if I'm playing Doom, I want to feel like I'm holding my gun, including simulating the weight of it somehow. I have no idea how you're going to do that, but that's what I want. Okay, so you're a Not good much, sort of 10, 15, 20 years down the line, so... Something like that, yeah. Fine. Uh, Colin, what about you? Are you going to jump on board when uh, the prices come down, maybe? Well, at the moment, I mean, I'm mucking about with Google Cardboard quite a lot, um, as anybody's been watching Top Shift. Um, uh, at the moment, uh, I've got the Color Cross headset, which works quite well. Uh, Trinus is being upgraded constantly, and that does seem to be improving with every single release. Uh, and it it's now works with the 64-bit version of FreeTrack. Uh, what I have found with it is that um, the headset does get heavy, because mm-hmm. obviously you got a phone and there's no balancing on the, on the back like there is with the Oculus Rift. Uh, so for an absolute taster, if you, you want to know if it's all right for you, um, I've found that the Google Cardboard is, is good enough. Um, and it, it certainly does work for um, short sessions, say, uh, up to about an hour. As okay. far as going the whole hog for the, you know, the big headsets, yeah, I probably would like to. It's just the cost. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, I think what we're probably looking at, at least 12 months before this comes down to a... Um, an impulse buy, maybe 18 months before it comes down to an impulse buy, sort of £300 and under? I think for an impulse buy for me, it would definitely be, have to be 18 months. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm quite happy with the game as it is, with the head tracking and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it is a, you do get that little extra bit of a thrill when you are actually in the VR headset. Even though the resolution isn't 100% there, you still get a... It does add something to it, I think. John? Um, yeah, as I said, I'm interested in the Vive. Um, I do, they haven't announced a price on that yet, have they? They haven't, but I'd imagine it's going to be you know, either the same as Oculus or slightly more expensive than the Oculus, given the extra yeah. hardware. Yeah, so I might just hold off a little bit. I am really interested in it um, in general, not just for Elite Dangerous. I think that there could be some really cool experiences that you can have that you wouldn't be able to have with just a normal screen. So it does excite me. Uh, and the Vive, they've revealed, is going to have that front-facing camera, which can... Uh, I, I shared some of Ben's concerns about, you know, actually seeing stuff in front of you, like your coffee cup or whatever. Um, they, they, they've they hinted that they've kind of solved that problem with this front-facing camera that kind of gives you this in-game representation of your surroundings if you need it. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that will kind of make that a bit more possible. 
Um, I don't have 500 quid to spare at the moment, even though I've basically gone two Christmases without a main Christmas present because I was assuming <laughs> I was going to be um, getting something. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely going to jump on it, uh, and I'm obviously looking forward to playing Elite with it, but I think there's going to be so much more cool stuff as well that um, I, th- I think the next year is going to be an exciting time once developers start delivering, you know, these polished products, you know, not just demos, but mm. real, full experiences. And how does it work? Because obviously your eyesight um, <laughs> is not the world's greatest. Um, how do you uh, cope with the, the with the headsets? I know you've probably only had the sort of the DK2 to go on, but is well, it okay? Does it work or...? Well, whenever I've actually used an Oculus, I've had to take my glasses off. So, of course, I've had like a very blurry experience. But from all the feedback from reviews, reviews of the you know the most recent uh, Oculus and Vive uh, units, um, there's space to keep your glasses on. So, I'm hoping that that would mean that um, I sh- it, sh- I, it should be fine for me. Yeah, with the mm-hmm. Colorcross headset, I've actually had to cut it up a bit so that I've got space for my glasses, <laughs> uh, which um, is a bit of a downside, but I've managed to do it with a, so it doesn't let light in. Um, but that's because the headset's about £15. So you can do that. You wouldn't want to cut up a headset that costs 600 Grant? Yeah, I'd, I'd, you know, I've ordered the Oculus, so... <laughs> oh, of course you have. And, and uh, were you uh, one of the first? Because obviously, I, I heard that the pre-orders, uh, the first sort of delivery went within you know the first half an hour to an hour, and then everything else kept on going back. So, when's your Oculus getting uh, delivered, sir? Well, but I believe May, which means I, I, I wasn't rushing. I really wasn't rushing. It's not that kind of thing, you know. You're going to get one eventually, as long as it comes in before Lavecon, so I can bring it down and people can have a go. Because I think that's the that's the real important thing about these things is if you are able to get one first, bring it down so people can either one use it and go, blooming heck, I've got to save up and buy that. That is absolutely essential. Or they can use it and go. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, it's not really worth the money. So you guys can make up your mind and, and get a chance to sort of use it and see it for what it is. Um, I don't know when the Sony Vive is. Is this no, it's ETC Vive, isn't it? Mm-hmm. HTC yeah. Vive, yeah. Um, I don't know when that's going to be released, but you'd hope that uh, it will be around for LaveCon. And certainly, you know, the, the Frontier Development guys that are coming down, they've been messing around with the Vive. So, with any luck, even if it's just a, a dev unit, uh, we hope should we should be able to have both, you know, your Oculus Rift and hopefully some other people's Oculus Rifts and uh, and the Vive on show at LaveCon, so people can have a have a look and give it a go. Yeah, so that's that's the, that's the the best thing about these conventions is the fact that you can sort of share those experiences. And I think you know when I touched Karash's uh, DK one, <laughs> I'm trying not to be crude. It's just not working. Uh, when I touched his DK one uh, for the first time, I knew within seconds of putting that thing on that I wanted one, and I had a DK one. And then I got the DK twos. Um, so yeah, there'll be um, some DK twos for those people that are um, in a situation where they want to have some kind of sample. Because I know that one of mine's out in loan, and my other my other DK two is sitting here doing nothing. So I'm looking forward to this consumer unit and uh, hopefully finding it far more comfortable to use than the DK two was. Yeah, I know your DK two. One of your DK twos has gone on for a uh, magical mystery tour around the UK. Who? Uh, how many people has it been through now? 
Oh, I've no idea. There must be about five, six, maybe maybe as many as ten people so far. Um, and then there was a point when I put both of them out because I wasn't using it. It just seemed to be crazy. So um, I, I can't even think who who's got it at the current minute. Well, I think it's, it's uh, Anne. is it far from South Wales? Because yeah, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind a go. I'll be number eleven. No worries. Well, I mean, I can pack this one up and send that one down to you, and you can have a go at that one because I'm not using it at the moment. It's like oh. a Windows 10, and it's. I know it's dead simple to fix, but there's so much more else I could do that's much more fun than piddling around with drivers for a couple of minutes. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just, you know, absolutely, I'll package it up and get that to you, John. You could be number 11. Yay! Yay. I got Windows 10, so I, I, at least I'll. Well, be you'll to have to faff around with it. Yeah. Uh, Dean, let's bring you back into this conversation, mate. Oh. Uh, have you had a chance to uh, use any sort of uh, Oculus uh, devel- kit, uh, development kit? Oh, no, I've not had a chance to use anything like that at all, man. Uh, a few things about it. it does sound really good. It sounds like something I quite enjoy, but it's not something I've ever really had a chance to experience. Well, if you want to mess around with Windows 10, you can pop round and have a go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not that brave. <laughs> cool. Okay. Um, let's uh, move on. Let's uh, have a look. What else have we got to cover off in the Dove news? Um, so a little bit of news around the API. Uh, have you guys been following about the this story around the the API? I'm hoping one of you have because I really haven't. No. Okay. Fine. So, well, I was just going to say. <laughs> I mean, that's the, it, the 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 API stuff just came on stream lately, and I must admit, from what I've seen so far, the community has just jumped at it. Uh, there's a whole load of uh, apps which are now in planning, including a a galax um, an off uh, a galaxy. Uh, viewer or uh, obviously the trading databases you know like oh so what were the what are the trading databases uh the ones like oh. yeah see what i mean it's just gonna <laughs> well there's ed discovery isn't there but that's not one yeah. of the trading ones there is um well oh, put it, put there's it this and things like that and yeah, there's Sophie, um, that's the ED one trader that and stuff yeah, yeah. Um, all those guys—they're jumping on this bandwagon because obviously this kind of is the kind of data that they would love to get their their uh, their teeth into. And uh, there's a whole load of people was just being all the IT professionals that they are—they're just diving in and coming up with stuff, with ideas left, right, and centre. I reckon we'll see some really good tools probably coming up within the next month or so. Right. I mean, so I was looking at. The um, is this actually an API that's been given out by uh, by Frontier, or is it literally just the stuff that's part of the the ED Discovery um, tool that already tracks, obviously, the players' jumps using the uh, the network log file? Well, the, there is a bit of the network log file as well, but there is supposed to be um, an API API out there that people are using. So. You guys not using uh, say what is it called the Elite Dangerous Market Connection tool? Well, no, this is, this is it. There's a few things out there, uh, and I haven't been I haven't been sort of keeping up with it. So it's one of the things that after this call, I'm going to have a quick look around and, and see what what most people are using. But there's even an Android app that you can mm. get now, which I'm really quite interested in. Um, uh, called and discovered. I really enjoy the the, the ED um, what's it called exactly ED Market Connector, and um, it when you jump into a system it automatically logs that to the God I was thinking I'll call it up 
because it's really it's like your elite uh, captain's log. Yeah. And uh, the EDSM, the Elite Dangerous Star Map, so it puts information to that, and it also feeds the likes of Thruds and some of the other store data. So when you're in a station, you can hit the update, and it'll capture all the market prices and upload them without you having to do any screen capturing and things like that. I find it's a it's a fantastic wee tool running in the background. And when I'm at a station, I just hit F2, and I'm helping it, I'm helping out those new commanders and helping get an accurate data. Um, logged, and I know it's one of those things that Mr. Stroud absolutely hates and abhors. It's everything <laughs> against the nature of the game. However, the the universe is big, and these tools are have their place. I mean, ninety percent of the time you don't look at them, but the minute you have a mission, you get blown up, and the mission's still active, and you've got to find a replacement cargo, and you've got no idea where to start. That's when these tools really come into their own. So, I think if you use them, you should you know give back. If, if nothing else <laughs> yeah there's the ED toolbox that's that's the uh, companion app um, and it, to be honest this uh, this forum I hadn't actually seen this forum before today uh, where um, it seems that the you know the, a, a couple of months ago well not months ago six months ago they put a requirements or asking for requirements of what people want for an external API app and that itself has um uh, we all thought that one had gone away, but um, yeah, there's a whole load of stuff that's coming up right at this moment in time. Well, I know the um, the iPad uh, app or, or the um, the Apple app uh, mm. died a death because they basically said it wasn't really fit for purpose. It didn't really do what they were hoping it was going to do, uh, and they and they benched it. But uh, could this be a sign that that um, that sort of app will be uh, resurfacing, maybe being a little bit more useful? Well, if if they do, it will be um, the community or the third party developers that will do it. I think. I think in in this case, um, I mean, I actually quite like that app. Um, if it, I don't. I don't think they actually um, just kept it up to date. Mm. But um, I'd like to know why it, they let it drop by. But um, yes, I, I think. I think probably in the next month maybe a couple of months we'll we'll see some good third party tools come out that will that will han- enhance people's experience rather than uh uh give them cheaty shortcuts <laughs> cool okay talking about shortcuts let's have a shortcut to uh to an advert and then when we come back we're going to talk about everything alien i could murder a cup of tea yorkshire gold if you have it Double Yorkshire gold. <laughs> and if you don't have it, you're dead. Lave Radio, broadcasting to every corner of the galaxy. Today on Policing the Republic. I'm just finishing up your cargo scan and it... Oh, you have a hundred tons of slave on board. You realize those are illegal, right? 
yeah, they may be legal here, but you know, when I where I picked them up was perfectly legal. But rather than going through the whole rigmarole of you telling me that you know I could go to jail, how about we work something out? What do you mean work something out? Well, obviously, I've got a hundred tons of slaves on board, but I don't need this many. My client only needs eighty. So, how about I leave some of them over here somewhere, and then I go about my merry way. We're all good. Are you attempting to bribe the chief of police, Commander? Officer, I would never bribe a police officer, especially the chief of police. But I would be willing to leave some cargo somewhere. What do you think? What would you do in this situation? Why not come and find out at edrp.space? We are a private group of elite dangerous role players who focus on great interaction and building our adventures. We look forward to having you join us, Commander. Okay, and apologies to all the people that are listening live on Twitch. We've got so many streams going on here, we didn't realize that in order to play that new advert, we would have to actually mute uh, mics for Twitch. So, those people that listen for Twitch, if you'd like to hear the new advert, then uh, by all means, download the podcast in the next day uh, when we're out. Apologies about that. Okay, This so is all let- because Grant's a coward. <laughs> Grant's too scared to go back to barnacles. Okay. Um <laughs> Let's uh, let's focus in on here, and this is uh, this is the the reason why we brought the wonderful Dean on to the show um, because I, well, we are not experts in this field. There's been a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of excitement around the ED universe, ED community, around some recently discovered unknown artifacts down planet side. Obviously, there has been a little bit of history with unknown artifacts, unidentified artifacts out in space, um, but. This is the first time since, obviously, Horizons has dropped that we've found anything interesting on planets. So I'm going to bring Dean in here straight away. Dean, why don't you give us a little bit of background about how sort of uh, canon came about, what sort of things you guys have been looking into, and uh, what the future holds with the new discovery? Well, we were uh, first brought together by uh, the founder, Dr. R. Cannon, which is where we get our name from, the canon part. Um, we were brought together to look, to look into the, um, the UA, the unknown artefacts that were discovered originally, I think it was 1.2, uh, they were found being transported by some convoys, um, sorry, uh, uh, once, oh, I'm really sorry guys. That's all right. Don't worry about it. So yeah, so we we know they're being transported by um, by convoys. And what's um, what? <laughs> what I'm trying to think my way into this instance at the same time, and it's really confusing me. <laughs> ah, you see, that's a, that's a typical male thing, not being able to multitask. Yeah. That's why I just stand, uh, sit here and talk, as opposed to try and play the game. So, the unknown artifacts. Uh, people collected them. They were giving off strange sounds, strange signals. Yeah, we uh, noticed that they were giving off some strange sounds, and uh, a few clever people managed to listening to the sounds really close, closely and discovered that there was some moss hidden, in, hidden amongst them. Uh, originally, they were given off the names of the nearest celestial bodies or stations, uh, and then we discovered that they'd started, they changed their pattern and they'd started scanning the nearest ships and uh, sending back a drawing uh, of that ship. Um, uh, Interesting. So how was that, how was that fa- uh, figured out? So the, the drawings of the ship I saw, uh, I didn't know about the, uh, the Morse code for the nearest celestial body, but um, the Morse code of the ship, or the the images of the ship, how was that uh, figured out? Was that still again in Morse code, or did it come out in ASCII? How was that? Uh... It was it was transfer- transferred uh, back to the 
the people to the people that were listening to the ship in Morse code, and then the people that were listening to it uh, took it in, and they, like you say, the ASCII, I think it was called. Yeah, uh, they transferred onto that, and it showed an image of the ship that the that the commander was flying. And uh, obviously, for those people in the tinfoil hats, what's the uh, what's the theory? Why why were these unknown artifacts doing these sort of things? Are they are they scout ships? Are they? Yeah, well, there's, a, there's a lot of conflicting theories. I suppose yeah, there's uh, a few people think they may be scout ships. A few people think they may be sort of the idea, of the probe that um, that the cube humans sent out in the early centuries, sort of identifying each other. Um, yeah, there's a, there's not really any sort of one main theory as to what they what they might be doing. No one no one really knows. But these things uh, are, are toxic, aren't they? For those poor, uh, poor pilots and commanders that took them onto their ship, there was uh, some rather unusual side effects to carrying this cargo. Yeah, they started uh, started to de- started to de- oh, degrade. Degrade. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> that's right. that's uh, yeah, they started to degrade the ships and also the stations that they were transported to. We we started noticing a lot of problems and started shutting down the stations. Really? Okay, so the station one's new to me. What sort of things were going on in the stations? Uh, anywhere that uh, UAs had been sold, we're not sure how many, how many it takes to trigger it, but there was it fairly confirmed that anywhere that UAs get sold onto the black markets and stations, it would start triggering station malfunctions and shutdowns. Uh, there were a few Gal- Galnet articles about it. Uh, there's a, a list of stations that have been closed down. They don't have a lot like the shipyard outfit and all put out of operation, and we're fairly sure that it's been caused by the UA. Great stuff. I love it. I see. I love all the stuff that's going on in the background to all of these things. Okay, so bring us up to date then. So, obviously, Horizons have uh, appeared, uh, and there's been some sort of continuation of this. Is it the same thing? Do we think? Do we know if it's, it's sort of the link to the stuff that's in space? Or? We know there's we know there's a, a, a definite link to the UA between the barnacles, and at least that it seems to be having an effect on the the stations that have been shut down, the barnacles seem to give off something called meta-alloys that have been found, found, and the cannon scientists have been looking into them for purposes of re- repairing the damage to the stations. Uh, we've sold a few into Bond Tub, and it seems to have brought them back online. It's Obsidian Oracle, uh, Obsidian or- Oracle? Obsidian Orbital uh, was one of the first ones that was tested with and has reported systems coming back online thanks to meta-alloys. We're not sure why, but they do seem to have a positive effect on the negative effects of the UA. Wow. Okay. So that is interesting. Obviously, we're calling them barnacles. So see how barnacles, uh, good yeah. your uh, your descriptive language is here. But for those people that haven't sort of been on the internet, haven't been following this story, can you describe um, what these things actually look like? Uh, just give me a second. I'll need to bring up a picture because I've not unfortunately managed to get to see one myself. Well, maybe not just dumping it onto you. Anybody, I mean, Grant, before you were blown away, uh, he went to see it. Who else has been to see it? Ben? I'm sitting in front of one right now. Excellent. So why wouldn't you chime up and save us from this? Why didn't you just say, I could tell you what they look like. They look like... Because Dean was doing so well. Now, barnacles <laughs> are... It's, I guess it's almost like a, a fractal shield. Um, there's, def- there's definite f- elements of a fractal sort of stuff going on in the central core where it's like a shell kind of idea. But it's like if you take, I think it's six, see the five or six um, shells and then put them together and then put a wee, a wee spin on them. 
so they're sort of like bendy as well with and they've got a white tip and but what i think is very interesting is on two i believe of them they've got what looks to be like a symbol which looks awfully like some of the nebula so i don't know if that's anything to do with it if you've ever Um, watched the krypton factor where someone's got to sort of describe a picture and the other person has to draw it not working. God knows what what people are out there actually drawing. So you've got what a central structure in the middle, a surrounded. There's a central structure surrounded by spikes. Okay. I I can't describe it any other way. It's like uh, surrounded by stalagmites. On these stalagmites, there are. I would describe them as crystalline flowers. Yeah. Um, Remind, it reminded me very much of the, the what is it, the Tiberian from Command and Conquer? Those kind of crystals, yeah. crystal flowers yeah. that grow? Um, I believe, and Dean can probably say yes or no to this, but these flowers definitely seem to grow. So, you know, the, the, you've got like little baby ones and medium ones, big ones and things like that. Yep, there's definitely there's definite variation between the size of them. We're not sure if they're, they're growing artificially or if they they're just uh, stuck in that formation I don't know one thing which I've noticed and I didn't notice this the first time round and maybe it's because we're in the dark today but in this location that we're in the dark anyway but there are I would describe it as cyan blue little fireflies coming out of some of the crystalline flowers and you can see them sort of like I would say flying around, and eventually they they mainly see seem to head up into space. But I can't track them. You know, they just you can just see them yeah, they're flying very similar up to the, to the fireflies that we we noticed forming around the UA, which is another one of the reasons we think we think they're probably linked to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see this the first time round. This is new to me. Yep. Okay, I know uh, you can just some of a green cloud and smoke that they produce to the UA as well. When you, if you're quite close to them, I don't know if any of you uh, any I, can see. I can't that. see that, but maybe, maybe if I go into debug camera, I might be able to see it better. Okay, while you do that, Ben, so have these barnacles been found on many planetoids, or have they just been found in one area? No, for, for the most part, they seem, uh, they seem to prefer the low-gravity low planets. Just now, uh, any ones with temperatures run about 194 Kelvin, or uh, negative 79.15 degrees Celsius. Okay, so how many, oh, um, wow. how many sort of instances have we actually found these, uh, these artifacts on so far? Um, so we found that a few, there's a, a few planets with them on. We've got Baroque 5C, obviously, we've got this one. Uh, we found one in Pleiades sector, uh, one in the Pleon. There's about four or five, I think, conf- at least confirmed. But they don't really show up on um, the points of interest. Right. So quite, they are quite hard to track down. They don't show up on permanent points of interest. So how do people actually, I mean, do people just sort of stumble across these as they're looking for other things on their scanner, or does the scanner in the uh, the SUV actually make... The scanner will uh, pick them up. It makes a, a, a specific shape, which I wish I could uh, give you a link to, but I've not quite got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get it just now. <laughs> so it's a particular shape on the actual yeah, there's, discovery there's a, scanner. Yeah, there's a sort of pattern on the, the wave scanner. Does that uh, is that pattern uh, has that been stored in the Elite Dangerous wiki on this? Has that actually been put there? It may have been. That's what I'm uh, looking for just now. Ah, right. Okay, so that's the 
That's the sort of the the physics and the the actual physical. Can I just ask Dean a question before we move on? Yeah, by all means, go for it. Yeah. Dean, you know how you mentioned that there's a, like a cloud that comes out of it. Yeah. Is it me or does that not look awfully like the hyperspace cloud? Well, as I'm, I'm, sitting, not... I'm sitting directly below the barnacle, the, the central one, and it's very prominent. If you, I don't know what it's like if you look on the stream. Um, I'm hoping it's good enough that it comes out, but I don't know. But it looks awfully like the, the hyperspace tunnel. That's possible. I'm not sure myself. Oh, okay, someone's shooting it as well. <laughs> That'll get yeah, the we'll come on. that's going. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll come on to the shooting of the uh, artifacts in just a second. So, Dean, what uh, what are Cannon doing at the moment? Is there anything that the other players in the galaxy can can do to help Cannon with their research? I would be quite interested in any metal meta alloys that we that get picked up by any other commanders being delivered to Bond Hub uh, and Obsidian or- Orbital and any other uh, stations that you know of that have been affected by uh, the UA deterioration. Uh, 64 Arietes, I think, is one of them as well. Uh, I've not got the entire list myself. Okay, so speaking about the metal alloys or the, the meta alloys, how do people go around? Are they just sort of lying around the uh, the barnacles or do they need to be mined? How do people go about getting them? Uh, shooting, see the spikes that are run about them. The spikes mm-hmm. that release uh, pods or seeds that have up to two meta alloys in them. They release a, a number of materials, some quite rare as well. And they can be obtained by shooting them with the turret of the uh, of the, the buggy? Yep, shooting them with the buggy. Okay, and that's the only way you can get the alloys out? As far as we know. Okie doke. Okay, well that brings us quite neatly on to the... Oh, what's interesting oh. about the inside the inside structure of the, of the um, spikes is they've got a very honeycomb-like structure as well. When you when you do go and destroy one, um, and the central barnacle seems to be impervious to even landing anacondas on top of it. Well, that's the thing. I mean, what have uh, what have we seen players actually doing when it comes to the barnacles? How have we seen people trying to interact with this particular phenomenon? We've had a player uh, that decided to shoot the barnacles for an extended period of time with uh, beam lasers, and we've noticed that they start the barnacles started glowing after that. We're not entirely sure what this might mean, though. If anybody's got beam lasers on them and they're close to the barnacle, they might want to try it just now. Might be able to see that the barnacle starts glowing once you've prolonged fire after beam weapons. Is that the middle barnacle? Yeah, the, cent- the central barnacle. Anyone here with a plasma uh, generator yet? I was going to say, the plasma generator, what about people sort of all firing at the same time? Uh, I've only seen the, um, the video with the one commander at the moment, so I don't think I... One with multiple commanders has been tried just yet. Okay. Well, I mean, speaking about the fact that we're all quite happily shooting our first experience of alien <laughs> technology on a on a planetoid, um, it brought up an interesting question. I think it was uh, was it rock uh, paper shotgun uh, put up a quote, a funny article about uh, elite dangerous find alien life. Elite players find alien life in the galaxy and shoot it. Um, do you think the sort of the the, the criticism or the uh, the observation that uh, you know, the first thing people are doing when they've come across these things is, is shooting it is valid, or do you think it's a little bit unfair given that we haven't exactly got that much uh, tools in our arsenal on those buggies other than guns to uh, to interact with these things? Do you think it's fair, Colin? I I think that's a little bit uh, unfair to be honest. 
from what I've seen from most of the people who've interacted with this, they've, they've tried everything else first. They've tried um, the data scanning it. They've, they've obviously been driving around it. They've been trying to interact in a, in a very passive way to begin with. I think uh, since it, it, someone just went, oh, sod it, and shot a few things, uh, Round, set off a, a couple of rounds then all of a sudden the, the meta alloys uh, have come forth and everyone's thought well that must be the only way to interact with them then uh, because unfortunately you can scan it using your data scanner in the pod but it doesn't seem to uh, do anything, There's nothing comes up in the transactions or anything like that so I think we were kind of limited to either you either scan it or you shoot it we don't have any other options. And a lot of people scanned first. They didn't actually open fire first. We've had players try to sort of interact with them from their ships as well, trying with the prospector drones and that, but nothing like that seems to have any effect either. Mm. John, what's your thoughts on this? Do you think this is indicative if, uh, you know, if, alien turns, if aliens turned up in our backyard tomorrow? Do you think uh, society's first reaction would be to open fire on them? Well, it depends where they land. Um, <laughs> let's say whales for example oh whales oh we'll probably end up worshipping them as gods or something <laughs> um, but um, you know I, I, I say I say there's certain country or a certain one particular country if they landed in they'd probably get nuked straight away um, I, I'm not so sure but uh, I, I don't know what to make of these barnacles and things because it's a very passive thing. I mean, it's not like uh, we're stumbling upon weapons or fortifications or anything like that. Uh, it's all, you know, all of this evidence and all of these probes and things like that, they're all about scanning and acquiring knowledge, so let's hope that the aliens are uh, more intelligent than humans uh, and more um, uh, more friendly. Um, in terms of all the unidentified artefacts and stuff obviously we all know the history of the game and stuff the the Thargoids lurking in the background we know they've been around in this uh, galaxy and then just vanished um, what's Canon's current theory on are, are these Thargoids related or is there no evidence pointing them towards any sort of known Thargoid interactions there's no concrete evidence linking them towards Thargoid, but they're quite organic in nature, which we know is the Thargoid's main source of technology, is sort of organic-based. So they feel Thargoid is all we can really say on the matter. They do. It's a strong probability that they're Thargoid, but there's nothing concrete that we can point to and say, yeah, that's a Thargoid thing right there. Okay, just watching Ben on the, uh, on the live stream, assuming, Ben, that is you blasting it away with a bean laser, is it? Aye, it is. Uh, and just notice that one of the side spikes, one of the uh, you know, spikes surrounding the big <laughs> barnacle, has just exploded next to you. And that wasn't you. That was obviously one of the buggies that's uh, on the surface. I take it. Yeah, that'll be one of the. Bu- that'll be probably Commander John, who's in around. Um, so he, I know he was doing some pew pewing earlier, um, and you can see that looks like one of the. Oh, that's probably some artifact things there. Let's just see if I can destroy... Oh, wow, they, they get destroyed quickly. <laughs> yeah, so what happens with those? Obviously, you can see it's been destroyed and there's lots of sort of, um, sort of crumbling debris from the, uh, from the spikes. Do they grow back quickly, or once all the spikes have been destroyed, is that they, it for that particular um, 
Yeah, it's They grow back in about 20 minutes, I think it is. So they do yeah. come back to us. And just watching you, you've just blasted one from orbit, so it doesn't have to yeah. be down in the buggy then. <laughs> no, and that blasted very quickly, I noticed as well. And I, I just have to be careful to I don't... Sure. <laughs> oh, I have to be careful I don't accidentally bump into Dino or John here as well. Because I am wobbling a wee bitty sitting... Well, flying vertically, pointing down at this thing. But how long do I have to shoot this thing for, Dean, by the way? Um, I'm not sure. All right. So, I mean, could this be sort of, like, again, like uh, like a scout ship? Could this be something uh, that's just absorbing all the information on all the weapons that get fired at it? And Well, know, no, I don't know. We don't think so. If you, I don't know if you can hear if you're close to it. There's a rumbling sound that seems to be happening from underground. So there's a, a theory that there could be some sort of alien version of our mine on our extraction outpost with the meta-alloys being the product of their mining activities. Uh, we're not sure if they're collecting the, these materials to produce, to produce the UA, or there's some theories that the UA might be um, landed and burrowed their way into the planet to begin the mining process. So we're not we're not entirely sure, but we believe it is some kind of mining facility, alien mining facility. Interesting. So you don't think that these things then take off and become the UAs in space? Those two conflicting theories. Either that these are sort of UA factories that um, we don't we wouldn't know how they they then appear on the planet, uh, but they mine the materials and construct the UA and send them out to find other planets to do to do similar, or that the UA land and burrow their way in and begin mining for other unknown reasons. Interesting, Ben. Ben, what? <laughs> Sorry, I thought you had something to say. Grant, welcome back. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, w- I was driving and listening to Ben trying painfully hard to describe <laughs> <laughs> what the barnacles look like. And uh, to me, it's the tip end of a tremor poking out from the ground. These are gigantic sandworms. Don't go near them. That's the beak. It is going to eat you. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. Yeah, they do kind of look like teeth. They could be they could be the mandibles of uh, of a very large space worm. But then, what would be the uh, what would be the spikes? It's feelers. It's feelers. <laughs> that's going to that's gonna be interesting when the aliens come along and saying, well, who's been breaking off all these fingernails then? <laughs> so what, they're just, they're just sleeping under the surface, are they? Yeah, they're just, no, it's luring us all in and when we get enough commanders in close enough, then the teeth, the jaw's going to snap shut and we're all going to be eaten and digested. Like a manis- massive Venus flytrap. Although the idea that it is a UA mining is probably quite good too. <laughs> probably yeah. a bit more believable. <laughs> um, okay, so what's been the um, the community's reaction to all of these? Obviously we've seen people uh, shooting them and getting the alloys. We've also seen a number of people trying to protect them, have we? Yeah, there's been a few sort of blockades of the, the barnacles as, as soon as they were discovered. A few people have reported commanders hovering around them and attacking anyone that comes near them. Uh, we're not sure why they're, they're so clean to keep them safe, but science has to be done one way or another, so we have to get, get close to have a look at them. Okay, so science first. Some people are saying that, you know, it's not right to shoot these things. We know nothing about them. You know, we should respect them. Um, and therefore, they've gone on the opposite side and are trying to stop people uh, getting towards them. I know some people have said that code <laughs> are using it as uh, quite a good reason for uh, attacking 
players with a legitimate sort of role-playing reason. Uh, I don't think it's just the code. I think code might have been thrown in there because obviously any ship that destroys another ship has to be given the label of code for some reason. I think sometimes they get a bit of a bum rap, those guys. But I think there's a number of player groups out there that are, are taking on the protector role. Uh, and role-playing it, which is yeah, it's quite cool. Grant? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I've all for that. I mean, I arrived on Friday to have a look at them and landed and then got blown away by a, a, a commander. And what, what frustrates you the most is there is a journey involved. And some people have gone out of their way to go and have a look at these things. And they're entitled to it as part of the game. If you're wanting to run some kind of blockade, then for goodness sake, be vocal and make it make sense. Don't just sit there, because frankly, if you're sitting there silent and you're blowing away commanders who are focusing on the UA, these wonderful little barnacles, you're nothing but an arse. You're a prize, top grade, A plus arse sitting there blowing people who are trying to do something that's a bit of fun you know but if you say something along the lines of you know there's nothing to see here we've uh, shut down the area because it's detected unusual levels of radiation we're trying to protect all pilots or you know this this particular one is under research and uh, you'll need to go and find another one then at least you've got an ability to sort of have a chat and a giggle and you know even just interact with that person before you head off but the, the sort of waiting till people land and then shooting them when they're clearly otherwise occupied is just an absolute arse move. And we could do without that in the game. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're not bitter about this at all, are you, Grant? I'm, not, I mean, I'm really not fussed. I mean, the, the, the reason I was, I've got no chance of getting there today, even if I wanted to, because I'm about 2.8 thousand light years away. So it would take me a number of hours to get back to have a look at it again. Uh, I'm out exploring and having a laugh, and I've learned another valuable lesson when you're exploring. Don't land on planets. It really hurts when you get it wrong, and then you've got to try and nurse your ship all the way home with my, you know, I believe one of my colleagues in the same time that I did it. He is now out near Saji with 16% hull left. Uh, I lost 25% of hull trying to land on a planet. And it was just a case of it just hit harder than you'd expect. And you're thinking, blimey, heck. So, um, yeah, they, they're brilliant, but they're, they're, they're something for everyone to be involved in. And I just find it very distasteful that when something exciting like this happens in-game, that is open to all who are interested, that people would sit there and just be complete arses to each other. I mean, you know, I don't, I'm totally for, because the code are brilliant. Because they engage and they take feedback from their people, other player groups, and they've been wonderful with the hunting truckers uh, and really involved. And there's a number of other player groups out there that are pirates, that are bounty hunters, that are protectors, and they're all amazing groups to work with. But they work with the story, you know, they work with a bit of role play. Just sitting there and blowing people up who are clearly busy doing something else is just so boring to do. And oh, I did it when I saw them, got my screenshots. <laughs> I don't have to go back and find it. Next! <laughs> cool. Okay, has anybody got anything else that we want to cover off on the whole subject of the of the barnacles? Any more theories they want to put forward about where these things are, are going to take us and what things we might be able to look forward to in the future? Colin? Yeah, well, one of the things that I'm really happy about this kind of thing is, is that in, in old... MMO games, I'm not going to say which one, um, they used to run these live events where people used to um, generate content by having uh, online GMs turn up 
uh, and run events and people used to role play with them and I think this is the first real uh, idea that um, the first one where I've actually fully latched onto um, if people were watching the, the live streams from the streamers when these barnacles were discovered, the excitement went through the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, every Reddit went a bit nuts, even more nuts than it normally does. And um, it just felt, just by following this, you're actually genuinely discovering something or something interesting was happening. And because of these kind of that, that kind of thrill, it just took away a lot of the um, nastiness about, you know, nothing happens in this place. It's a, it's a boring grind of a game. And it was just at that moment, it just reminded me of these live events. And I'm, hopefully, this will now be a trigger that will lead on to more. Uh, think alien contact. Well, whether, I don't know whether or not we'll see those octagon-shaped ships very soon, but um, it's certainly... It, it feels like... Um, a sci-fi show, which this is the background plot, which has been running all the time, and all of a sudden we've got to one of the uh, the episodes where it comes to the forefront, and bring it on, I say. Yeah, it's interesting what you just said there about the uh, the octag- octagonal ships, because obviously the small ones that came out of those, the Tharglets, um, could this be one of those? You know, just a little bit pointier, but has anybody? <laughs> I suppose the thing is, has anybody counted how many sides this thing has? Well, you see, the thing is that there's a lot of, um, as as Ben pointed out, there's a lot of honeycomb kind of um, structure inside, isn't there, Ben? As he disappeared. Either, uh, either is, sorry, I'm trying to get people to turn the lights off, and it's I'm tempted to start shooting them if they don't. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, so it's got a kind of honeycomb structure. Now, the honeycomb structures are normally found within insectoid kind of um, nests if you like. So, you know, wasps and bees and things like that. And what were the Thargoids? Yeah, they were in sectoid race, you're right. So it does look, you know, all things do seem to be pointing a little bit towards the uh, the Thargoids. But, Ben, I have to say, you've been blasting at that thing for quite some time with that beam laser. I'm not seeing that glowing at all. No, I'm not seeing it glowing. Although, Commander Ignatius, I really, is saying, apparently, if, I, if people turn the lights off, because it's very, very faint, hint... You can see it around the bottom in amongst the joins. You can see a green <laughs> well, glow. Well, I was thinking I was thinking you can see a green glow out <laughs> Yes. <laughs> there is a green glow coming out of the bottom. <laughs> but apparently right. it's the tip that's meant to glow. Okay, well obviously we'll keep on looking and see if there's any uh, um, any pictures that we can grab online and we'll put them in the show notes for that. But uh, uh, I've got I was wanting to ask one question which is what I put my DOS about was if the um, meta-alloys are healing stations and the unknown artefacts are hurting stations, could we be looking at two separate entities, well, two separate factions, maybe, or something like that? It's definitely possible. We know there are uh, separate factions in the Thargoids, uh, so it could be that these, these barnacle items are sent here to maybe help us against the third guys, we're not sure. The um the little imagery that we saw uh on some of the, the tips of the spikes or on the the barnacles itself, the little logo, have we found out if they're this if that's the same logo for each different currents of the barnacles or does it vary from barnacle to barnacle? 
we have a theory that there may be uh, viewings of the market. The markings may depict the nebula that bar barnacles are found in, or the as viewed from the creators of the barnacles' homeworld. Uh, we think that maybe in future, if we can get different unique barnacle markings, then we can triangulate the homeworld of the, whoever's sending these things out. Nice. I like that idea. I like that idea a lot. Um, so, okay, well, let's uh, let's wrap it up on the barnacles. And obviously, Dean, from, from Canon's side of things, again, just reiterate what sort of things you would like uh, the players to do to help out and also how they can get in touch with Canon and where they can send their data. Anyone uh, wanting to look into Canon can find us at canon.science. Um, you can also find us in the Frontier Forums. We're on to our fifth uh, thread knot now, I think, on the subject of UA and barnacles. Uh, and sorry, what was the other question? <laughs> what information do you want them <laughs> to send you? Yeah, uh, basically anything you find with the the meta alloys, bringing them back to stations that you know have been affected by the the UA deterioration, and finding out if any of these stations come back to normal. Perfect stuff. And if people wanted to find out what stations have been affected, one of those thread notes, I'm assuming, will have the information, yeah, does it? all the, the, the thread notes, the first page has all the, the, the relevant information. Great stuff. Okay, guys, well, you, you heard it here. So get yourselves out there, do your exploring, and make sure you send all the information back you can to the scientists, the wonderful boffins at Canon. Uh, Dean, hang around for the rest of the show, but thank you very much for your help on that, mate. Uh, it's always nice to have a ringer that knows far more about these things than most of us do. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. Uh, okay, let's uh, quickly skip to an advert, and after that we're going to nip back and talk about Community Corner and some shout-outs. Live radio, it's even louder than me. Wait a minute, that can't be right. Oh, boy, space is cold in here. That commander has a cheek sitting up in his cosy and warm cockpit while we haul radioactives around his cargo bay. Oh, is it cold? I hadn't noticed. Oh, that's right. Why, you're not even shivering. Maybe it's because I picked up this North Coast cargo bay sweater. It keeps me warm and stylish. Say, that is a nice jumper. It's made from the finest Verex wool and handcrafted by novitiates in the underground monasteries of Van Manen's Star. Wow. Where can I get one? New North Coast Cargo Bay sweaters. Be the envy of your friends. Wow, every lady from here to the Empire. Be warm and toasty, even on the tenth planet of a dying star. Now on sale at Spark and Mensa. Better now? Better? Why... I feel so warm, I'll probably never catch man flu again. Spark and Mensa. Because nothing says sexy like a neck-high jumper. Lave Radio. Transmitting to every corner of the galaxy. life, choose a ship, choose a career, choose a cargo, choose a f***ing big ship, choose palladium gold and electrical tin openers, choose good health, low cholesterol and ship insurance, choose fixed interest loan repayments, choose a space station, choose your friends. 
choose leisure wear and matching luggage. Choose a paint job and hire purchase and a range of f***ing colours. Choose decals, exploration and wondering where the f*** you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting in that chair, running mind-numbing, spirit-crushing trade routes, stuffing f***ing junk food in your mouth. And choose rotting away at the end of it all, pissing your last in the void with no one out there to hear you bury or do anything as you drift away in cold space. Until some f***er comes along to steal your ship, your cargo and your clothes, leaving your bones floating out in space. Choose your future. Choose life. But why would I want to do a thing like that? I choose not to choose life. I chose something else. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you've got onion heads? Okay, and just quickly through some things that have come out of Community Corner. How many of you guys have seen this fantastic video on YouTube about uh, running through the habitational zone in an Orbis a space station? <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for those people that haven't uh, haven't uh, been watching it, basically, you guys managed to figure out that if you if you sit uh, your ship on the glass of an Orbis and basically just put gentle pressure on and wait and wait, you'll find that you actually slowly float down through the glass of the Orbis station and end up in the habitational zone. Um, and he's done a, a fantastic video where he's literally just bombed around the uh, the wheel on the inside of the glass in a I think it was a sidewinder, was it, or was it an eagle? Yes, a sidewinder. Sidey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely worth checking out. The uh, the link to that one is going to be in the uh, in the show notes. But I mean, I've got to say, who who sits there and tries to figure out these sort of glitches and and what's Frontier's reaction when they see this thing on YouTube going, uh, Sandy? Yeah, uh, you've seen this thing on YouTube. <laughs> it's like, oh shit! How do we have to fix that? Um, I mean, do you think they're they're pleased about it? Do they think it's funny, or do they think, Christ, I've got yeah, days of work to try and get rid of that glitch. I'm just thinking if they can get a sidewinder in there, do you not think it's time that they go back and relook at uh, Mike Evans' uh, talk about scale and actually show him to be correct or incorrect? <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Mike will have us believe that, you know, obviously if you have a look at the shadow and the way it reflects down, it's actually it's all perfectly to scale. Um yeah, what happens? The video doesn't actually show if you go down lower uh, and try and crash it into the grass. I think we've got a new buckyball racing <laughs> racing course. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure the residents are going to be overly happy about that. Uh, ben? I don't think that Frontier are actually going to care if people exploit a little bit like that. I mean, it's just... end of the day, it's, it's pretty suicidal not really a big deal if you do do it it's just one of these things isn't it no um, no 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 i disagree that's breaking my immersion so no they damn that's well not need breaking to the glass it. windows <laughs> yeah. i i mean I, I don't know about how the exploit was found though but i know i've spent sometimes maybe as long as half an hour just like flying around the rim trying to get as low as i can 
Um, I've never tried to actually go through because I usually bounce off it, but you know, I can see that if you're flying down and down and down and you, you suddenly realise, hang on, I'm inside. I can see that. Yeah. John, what's your approach? Have you seen the um, the video? I know you just come back. Have you seen the video of uh, a Sidewinder flying through the Orbis Habitation mod? Yeah, no, I did see that. And I was like, um, you know, as far as glitches go, I mean, um, you, I, it didn't show him actually doing the glitch. So you don't know how dangerous it is to try and attempt to do it. So, for instance, if you tried to do it in a bigger ship, would it, would it work or would it blow your ship up? Or So you don't know how useful it is. And also, how about getting out? Are you able to actually get out alive or are you going to basically lose a ship? I'm just wondering why he used the Sidewinder in the first place. Um, you know, so it might, it's not a, you know a, a terrible glitch. Um, I suppose there's bigger bugs bugs to fix, um, but you know, I thought it was a good way to you know actually see a bit closer you know what was actually in there. So I, I kind of enjoyed it. But yeah, it'd be nice to have some races, or you know, if you get eight of you flying around one way and eight flying in the opposite <laughs> direction, um, <laughs> basically playing like this massive game of, ongoing game of chicken that be quite cool is it chicken or is it sort of like the elite dangerous version of the large hadron collider yeah exactly <laughs> especially if you do it with two anacondas <laughs> oh, priceless okay um a quick shout out to the uh, the mobius group which amazingly um and liam must be must be thrilled uh, liam rafferty the guy who uh, set up the mobius group way back when uh their membership has now uh, gone past eighteen thousand members uh, and for those people that don't know what the Mobius Group is, it's a um, well, it's a private group within Elite Dangerous that basically uh, has no PVP. Uh, is that right? PVP? Yeah. So no PVP contact. So the idea is that uh, you know they play the game and it's all player versus an environment, and anybody shooting at other players is a frowned upon. Basically, the idea is that you know there's certain players out there who don't want to. I'm not going to use the phrase care bear, so no, take that out of the chat. Uh, there's players out there who want to uh, to have the sort of the social aspect of the galaxy, but they don't want to have the you know the stress or the sphincter twitching moments of jumping into a system and uh, waiting to see whether or not that that hollow triangle is actually going to blow them up, or if it's going to be friendly and interacting with them in uh, you know in a non-confrontational way. So congratulations to that to that group 18,000 members is still by far i believe the 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 biggest group uh in uh, in elite dangerous at the moment uh, i don't think anybody comes anywhere near uh that sort of level what do you guys think about it i mean do you think it shows this sort of the appetite for for people out there who don't want to be attacked by fellow humans and are just happy to go against the you know the computer ai no no. I think I think you know to be to be honest it shows that it's nice to have the choice and that is what I think Mobius represents so for example uh, as the Hunt and Truckers we're, we're trying to encourage the playing with players not necessarily against but can include that and but with honor terms that you know people are comfortable with whether you know the role playing there and the chance for you to get away by dropping cargo is there and and to make it just fun and there's a great deal of fun to play with other players. And the lovely thing about the Mobius group is that you can go in there and you see a contact, you can just say hello, and they'll say hello back, you have a chat, you can wing up. It's a wonderful way to play with other people without the worry of being you know, ganked or blown out of the sky for whatever reason. Um, 
and it's just nice to have that option so for, I think it comes down to timing so if I'm going to jump on on a Sunday I've got all day to play on a Sunday so I can take my time, jump into open and I can evade stuff, it's not going to affect my day I can go and change what I'm doing but if I've got half an hour and I want to continue whatever I was doing, if it's part of a community goal or something and I don't really want to have to worry about being attacked or being blown up and having to start again so for that half an hour I want to enjoy my half hour in game I don't want to have the stresses and the sort of negative side of the game that can happen, so jump into a Mobius group, bump into someone say hello, carry on and it's just, you know, there's no concerns and it's very appealing to a lot of people. But I think now you've got more and more groups with more and more private groups for people to join in. The choice is massive, but it's still nice to know that there's a large persistent player versus environment group that you can join that other groups may not be able to aspire to at this moment. You're not going to have any other group with that number of members. So um, I think that's what it represents is the fact that sometimes... It's nice to play without the worry. Yeah, I, I, I see your points, uh, John. Well, yeah, just to kind of <clears throat> not quite repeat what Grant said, but put my spin on it. It's originally, when they said that they were going to have this private group concept, there was a lot of naysayers who were like, oh, you know, split the, the player base and all that, and all players should be playing in the same universe. Um, but I think... You know, I think it's actually worked. I, I think that the frontier have enabled players to play how they want to. Um, and also, what's happened is we've seen it like a spectrum of player groups. You know, so you have got, you know, the Mobius group, which is quite, you know, strict in, you know, their approach to PvP. But it enables there to be groups that say, well, we do want PvP, but we want, you know, we want to have some restrictions, but not say that we don't want it altogether. And and that is only a, enabled because of that private system. You know, it wouldn't have been possible for uh, Frontier to kind of, you know, do it that kind of granularity otherwise. So, I think it's been a, a very cool experiment, and I think it's I think it's worked out well. Uh, is there anything in terms of groups that you would like to see Frontier sort of expand on? Obviously, we've got groups, but they're, they're quite limited. Is there anything you guys would like to see sort of expanded in the in the group format in the next sort of, in this season or the next season? Nah, I, I don't know. I mean, they seem to be more creative than me. I can't think of what else they can do right now. Uh, I'd have to give it some serious thought, but... Um, well, I mean, some yeah. of the things that we've had on, on the show before is people have been talking about, you know, being... Groups, so obviously we can only have groups that are named after the actual commander. So we've got a Fozzer group out there. Uh, the Mobius group is named after Liam Rafty's character in game, which is obviously Mobius. Um, maybe it would be quite nice to actually have some, I don't know, say like a Lave radio group or you know some sort of tools where anybody in your group can get a message in game um, or you know some sort of means of communicating with that group. Just a few more tools, maybe. Well, it'd certainly be good if you could name the group rather than it just been named after the player who created it, sure. That would definitely be, you know, a bit an easy win for them. You know, I don't think it would take too much effort for a rename group uh, feature. Um, but I don't know, the groups, they don't, they don't fit this concept of, like, a guild or anything like that. Um, but maybe you could have, like, group-wide messaging so that you can send a global message within a private group. Um, I suppose that that could be cool. Yeah, Grant. There's 
there's huge calls uh, from all the large group from the first great expeditions for group tools. I mean, Mobius, one of the biggest problems they have is if they have a member who's misbehaving is to have to scroll down through 18,000 bloody names to find the <laughs> one guy. And it's not alphabetical often, or is it alphabetical? But you've still got to go a hell of a long way down. So search functions for your members and, yeah, maybe some, you know, abilities to set yourselves up with second lots of admins. So having a bit of a structure in there would be awesome too. So there's so many things that could be developed in them that just isn't there at the minute that would make life so much easier for groups. So what you're saying is if you want to troll the Mobius group, you should call yourself something like Zebedee or something like that. (laughs) Well, well, yeah, something in the middle, so probably Stephen would be doing it, or that would probably cover it. It's just Commander Stephen's being an arse again. Oh, I can't be arse finding him. i got to scroll all the way down to the middle, or all the way up to the middle. This is the pain in the backside. The other thing about renaming your groups is, you know, I would just have to go around, create myself, and rename my group Fozza, and then people wouldn't know which group they were in. That's what yeah. the, I think naming groups opens up another can of worms where you could create a group in somebody's name just to really wind them up. Uh, although surely you'd be able to have uh, unique names in that. It, would, uh, it, wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't be too much of a problem to say this name's already been taken. Yeah, yeah, but if, if for example, if you haven't done a private group yet, you know, and you come in and then you find out that I've set up a private group using your name... And, um, you know, berating you to the max. <laughs> True enough. Okay, well, um, let's leave it there for the time being on that one. And uh, let's have a quick uh, chat about uh, the Distant Worlds expedition that we mentioned on last week's show. That's all kicked off. That uh, They set off on their grand journey with one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest community groups of explorers going out to, uh, to view the world. Um, if you want to catch up on them you can just try and find out where the uh what we had for the link on that one um oh, someone find me the link where is it there we go it is uh tinyurl.com forward slash e-d-d-w-e distance world exploration or expedition uh that started on the 14th of january but if you check the uh check the url out um i'm sure they're still taking people so <laughs> If you don't mind hightailing it out, they've got their their latest stop-off point. Uh, you can join them up there. But uh, by all accounts, that seems to be going really, really well. Uh, another quick shout-out for those people uh, who have left us some iTunes reviews. Now, the, uh, this is something we haven't followed in a, in a long time, so apologies for those people that have left us reviews. Um, but we've just managed to find a new tool that actually lets us see the international reviews. Uh, and it seems that we've missed a few people from the the grand old US of A uh, who have left us some reviews. So a massive thank you to, um, I'm going to butcher these names, uh, Chris Fallion, Joe2373, Blackhorse06, and Sam Stamps. Uh, we're always on the lookout for more iTunes reviews as it helps us go up the iTunes charts. So if you're new to the show or you've started listening, uh, if you are downloading on iTunes or if you have iTunes installed, head across to iTunes and give us a, a nice review. We, uh, we, we like to get them on the show. We call them our warm and fuzzies when we get a nice new review. So um, if you wouldn't mind, that would be great. Thank you very much for that. Um, anything else you guys want to cover off before we, uh, we wrap up the show? No, yeah. good. No, I think I think we've covered it all so far. 
<laughs> okay well that'll do it then so that's it for another episode of Lave Radio if you'd like to get in touch with us here at the show you can email info at laveradio.com on Facebook we are just forward slash Lave Radio at Lave Radio on Twitter or if you want to join our Skype chat channel just add Fozzle 101 to your Skype contacts let me know you want to get into the chat channel and I'll drop you in there our TeamSpeak server is laveradio.teamspeak3.com and Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday night at 8.30 UK time and streamed out at laveradio.com forward slash live or on Twitch forward slash Lave Radio. Thank you very much to Grant, to Ben, to Colin, to John and especially to Dean for helping us out on the show tonight. And thank you for all the commanders that have joined us in the chat channel and again on Twitch. Until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
down at Hutton and I saw Alvin he was like Orf? and I was like yeah whatever yeah then this pirate comes up to me and he's all like give me all your stuff and I'm like yeah whatever so well later I'm at the planet and this skimmer comes up and it's like pew pew and I'm like yeah whatever It was 3am and I'm in a war zone wearing my python. This fed comes up and he says, Hey, punk. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Right, yeah, and then I'm smuggling in the Rubigo and Officer Leroy comes up to me and he's like, Hey, I thought I told you. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Well... Then up comes Simuth. I'm like, yo, Simuth, what's up? He's like, nothing. And I'm like, that's cool. Because this is my faction state of whatever. And this is our Hutton faction of whatever. Yeah. <laughs> 